The Truth News Network. One man can change the world. It's done every day. Kepler, Copernicus, Ptolemy, Lister, they all change the world. Interesting that these are scientists. And the hallmark of science is skepticism and a relentless pursuit of truth. Starting to see a picture? Good. And here to clarify that picture for you from TNN, the Truth News Network, Dan Newman. Yeah, we need to clarify the picture. We need to get our arms around it. We need to figure out it, the X's and O's and who's pulling the strings, who's responsible, and just make sure we're in the right place at the right time. How about that? Sounds a whole lot easier than it really is, right? Yeah, it's a tough hoe to row, but guess what? We have all the resources, all the strength, all the knowledge that we need to at least get started in this struggle. If we get started right, folks, typically it'll always turn out the right way. Unfortunately for us, we have people in Washington, D.C. that literally lord over us. They have no concept of starting the right way. They just fly by the seat of their pants. If it looks good, smells good, sounds good, hey, let's go for it. We'll handle any fallout when it happens or when we realize it happened. It's kind of like there's no creativity. Everything's just done in a flash, on a whim. And if it sounds good and you want to do it, just go for it. Yeah, that's good in some things, but it's not good in developing everything, every platform, every necessity, and plan as a leader, plan as a group of leaders in the nation to do the right things the right way with the right people involved in each one of the systems that make those things happen. When you have leadership in a country, it's no different than having leadership in a corporation. Both of them will succeed if the leadership understand and create and implement the necessary levels to use and to move through those levels towards success and doing it together. Everybody knows what's expected. Everybody knows what the final objective is. And everybody gets on the same page of how to get there. Boy, we are not seeing anything like that in this administration. It's like Joe Biden walks around in a fog, and I'm not making fun of anybody for some biological issue. Cognitive disability, folks, it's real. It's happened in my family. One of the sharpest people in my life was my mother. She was a great leader, a great spiritual warrior, and she loved people. People were her life. Her last 30 years alive, she was legally blind, not totally blind, but legally blind. And she never let that, not stop her folks, slow her down. But it's because she had a plan. And she knew what that plan was because she put the plan together. And she did it in partnership with Jesus. She had a personal relationship with Jesus. And I can tell you this, you ask, how do you know your mom had a relationship with God? It's because I watched her life play out. I was part of her life playing out. I don't ever remember a time when my mom missed it. That's amazing. You you can't say that about me. Nobody can, truthfully. Most humans, we don't live in that world. We live in a world of messing up, 
dusting ourselves off, getting back up, getting back in the fight, making another mistake, going down. We're on the mat, hoping they don't count us out. And we do the same things over and over and over again. But it's not because we have to. It's because we choose to let those things that result in what happens and look in the stage in the world right now. Look at all the mistakes that have been made that have fed into what is happening to people across the globe. And that's because of the failure of leadership, the lack of leadership, bad decisions, poor choices, not being truthful, not planning ahead. Could we have stopped this? I don't know that we could have stopped it. But just imagine if we had all pulled together from the very beginning of this, instead of being divisive, instead of being the bosses, the one that's endowed with all the facts, all the information, and you expect everybody else just to bow before you and just do what you say we should do. No unity, no structure, no organization, divided. I mean, massively divided, like never before in my in my life have I seen a political entity so broken in pieces than is the federal government today. It didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen because of Donald Trump or any individual. It happened because the process that was established from the very beginning fell apart. And it fell apart because men and women decided it wasn't good enough. And even though there were never explicit day-by-day, step-by-step details put in our Constitution, the structure of the environment that allows that, excuse me, coughing, wow, the structure that makes those things happen and happen the right way, they're just not created, they're not built, they're not put in place and implemented with the necessary people on top of the heap to make sure those things from the very top all the way to the bottom are taken care of. That's what's lacking. Look, it's Christmas time. It's Christmas time. We're two days away from Christmas. Do you think at this time of year, is this a time when you want to sit down and in retrospect think through maybe some of the things that you've done, those that have been in your life as part of your life, and maybe some really good people, but you just missed out because you didn't think through a relationship with those people. You didn't know what they had because it didn't matter. You were in charge. That's the way it works. So today is a special anniversary in our family. And um, Marianne is here this morning. She's in the studio. And I want her to talk to you, her to talk to me, a little bit about a loss, a tremendous loss that happened eight years ago today. She lost her older sister, Marilyn Turner, to breast cancer. And uh, it was quite a struggle. But the way that struggle all rolled out, it spoke really well, not just about Marilyn and how she finished, but about those that surrounded her in her life and were part of that process of fighting that horrible disease, cancer. And so... Marianne, let me just ask you this. Tell us, give us a capsule. Give everybody that didn't know Marilyn what kind of person she was. I was thinking about this morning. She was probably one of the most tender-hearted, kind, 
super talented. She, her her talent of sewing and making items for other people and having the kind-heartedness of taking someone in that needed shelter for the night. Um, it, it was just, she was just the epitome of kindness. And she, that's the way she was. She lived every day of her life and until the very end. Very little of what she did had to do with her. Right. She was a mother hen. Right. It didn't matter what group she was in, what where she worked in her office. She was kind of like the mom that structured everything. She's the one that when, hey, let's have a party. She was the one that put all the moving parts together. Yes. And she was a great seamstress. She made her daughter's wedding gowns. Yes, both of them. Yes. I mean, both and they were spectacular wedding gowns. Yes. And she was a friend to everybody. Everyone. She did not start college until after her daughters had gotten up into, you know, high school themselves. And she drove an hour to Louisiana Tech to get her degree in sewing. And she would just make these elaborate outfits and somebody would bring a jacket to her, a men's jacket to her that that was ripped and it was very special to him and she would remake it. So her talent was beyond, I can't even comprehend all of her talent and all the, the creativity in her mind. So that was the big thing in our family that none of us could understand and we all struggled with. Why would something like a horrible fight against cancer for five years, why would that happen to somebody that was such a good person? We never know why, and that's something that we might ask God when we get to heaven, but it was God's timing. Uh, And everything that went along with it, she uh, remarried after her divorce and met a wonderful man that took care of her immensely in all of this time, got her the best doctors, and... They lived in uh, Dallas area, so they got the best doctors in Dallas. Then, and, and and we don't know why. I mean, I was by our hospital bed, and I said, if I could, if I could trade places with you, I would. I don't know why. And then I think that's a lot of lot of torment that we all go through is why. But we don't know. That's God's timing. It's not our timing. This this time of year, circumstances are really enlarged. Maybe not in reality, but we look at everything a little bit different this time of year. It's supposed to be a time of celebration, um, a sign of looking at blessings and looking at the rearview mirror, what's behind us over the last year, and to be thankful for everything. When you lose somebody inexplicably like what happened with Marilyn, none of us could understand. I mean, she was huge in all of our minds. And anybody that knows our family knows we're very close. Example, tomorrow evening in our home, we have everybody in the family coming over. They wanted steaks on Christmas Eve. So Nani is going to cook her famous steaks out on the grill, and we'll all be together. On Saturday, Christmas Day, we'll go over to our youngest daughter's house where everybody will be there, and we'll celebrate Christmas together. That, what I just explained to you, has happened for 46 years. I've never been in this family, in the Tyler family, in which we did not have a big family celebration at Christmas. We did the same things at at uh, Thanksgiving and Easter and at every birthday. We all got together. We're blessed because our six grandchildren, uh, their parents, all live here in the same community we're in. So we're together a lot. But here's one thing we've learned, and we learned it in part due to 
living through what happened to Maryland. You never know what's down the road. Right. So you prepare yourself for whatever's down the road as best as you can. But you invest your life in each other. Yes. And never take that person for granted. So to wrap this thing up, I've watched you through the years and what Maryland was to the rest of the world and the rest of our family, you've stepped in and become that person. I don't know anybody. Marianne Cooks, she has this bread thing that she does that she she got from her mother who got it from her mother. And it's where you feed it twice a week. Yep. And um, it's kind of a magic thing. I won't go into what <laughs> happens. But twice a week what it does, it makes three or four of the the loaves of the best bread you've ever put in your mouth. And I'm a bread guy. I grew up. My stepfather owned a huge bakery in South Louisiana. So I love bread. And she even converted it and made some king cakes this last Mardi Gras season. And cinnamon every couple rolls. of weeks she does cinnamon, cinnamon rolls. rolls. They're they're amazing. And that's something that Marilyn did. Yes. That's something that your mother did. And yes. your mother is 96 and she doesn't have the faculties that she had before. So she's not doing that anymore. But that's something she passed down to you girls. Correct. Now you're passing it down to our girls. Yes. And they're passing things down like that already to their girls that are 16-year-old twins. So it's a generational thing. Yes. But it began somewhere back up way before you and I were ever even thought of. Yes. In a family that made that an investment that everybody signed off on to do. And here we are three generations later, and the same things are happening. But at the root of it all is a love for God, yes, a love for each other, and a commitment. We're all in. We're not going to talk about unity. When somebody has a problem in our family, it's a family problem. When somebody experiences something very special, it's a family celebration. And folks, those things don't just happen. No. They have to be made. And everybody has to buy in. I think one of the unique things about our family that I'm so blessed at is my father and my mother both had Christian, God-loving activities. We would every Sunday go see my grandparents who lived about 30 or 40 miles from us. One lived in Spring Hill, one lived in Sarepta, and we would go to Spring Hill, Sarepta, and they would come to our house. So our whole life, we knew nothing but having family gatherings and loving and nurturing. And then that boiled over into my mom and dad. And I had four sisters. They had children and got married. We had Christmas at my mom and dad's house. When I say Christmas, I mean Santa came to mother and daddy's house. With Even when we had kids, it was hilarious. But it was some of the best memories that you have. And I think in your life that's what's important if you don't have that family connection if you don't have that family string then it's not it it, christmas doesn't seem as much to me now christmas is something gathering and getting together and but loving god but if we don't have god in our lives and we don't have family then it's even tougher it's the hardest time of the year so if you see somebody that needs help they're struggling you know what? Give them a hug. Give them, you know, just uh, give them a smile. Take your mask off and give them a smile. <laughs> and 
and that's what that's what irritated me. I was at the hospital the other night, and I was smiling at people. So they can't even see my face. They yeah. can't see that I'm yeah. that I'm trying to be nice. So I think that that's what it all boils down to is your your family, and like you, you didn't have as much family with your mom and dad growing up. And when I initiated you into our family with the Christmas traditions, you were overwhelmed. Absolutely. And just caught on and loved it. And that's what we're doing every year. So that's what we've instilled in our kids. Yeah. So, and then our grandkids. So I think it's the, it's the stability and the foundation that you have. These kind of things don't just happen. They have to be planned, coordinated. It's what we were talking about opening the show today. Good things don't happen in any institution, in any company, uh, in any family. People that are part of those things have to create an idea and go with it and put all the moving parts in place. You don't just come up with an idea and say, man, I want to be a brain surgeon. When, when do I start? When's my first surgery? You go through a planning preparation a concept or an idea and you figure out what all the moving parts are, who the players need to be. You put all that together and then you in unity, you get people that sign in with commonality and it's something that you build on and it grows, but you got to start somewhere and it starts with commitment. It starts with understanding. Sometimes simpler is a lot better. Hey, listen, thanks for coming in and sharing that. You bet. Merry Christmas to everyone. You realize that you were just talking to people in about 67 different countries. That's exciting. I'm just sitting here looking at you, not knowing who I'm listening to, who's listening to, but I, I wish everyone a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Thank you. You're welcome. I certainly don't ever take her for granted. She is, she's the glue that holds everything together. But I tell you this morning, this whole segment, it, um, it points to something that we all need to realize. So I ran across something and it just struck me because it talks about simplifying things in our lives. And I put this little thing together. I want you to listen to this and put it in the context of what you just heard. Marianne in here talking about her big sister who was everything pretty much to everybody. And she loved people. That all starts somewhere and somewhere specific. An old man came up to me on the street the other day and said this, only God could have thought of giving us Christmas. I no longer wonder why the world turns again every year to the babe born in the innkeeper's cattle shed, he said. A baby bundled tightly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Simple enough to be new every year. Miraculous enough to be eternal. Tender enough to be personal. Only God would have done it that way. No official proclamation. No fuss. No Madison Avenue ad campaign. If man had done it, he would have made it a great production. But God did it the way God does so many things in this world. The coming of dawn and the setting of sun are quiet things. Sleep needs no trumpets to announce it. Flowers bloom 
in silence. Falling snow makes no more sound than a cat's paw. And so it was with the coming of the Savior of the world, just a whimper of a baby asleep on the hay. That's just like God, the old man said. Bethlehem tells us that the loveliness in life is not the things that we possess, the titles and the checkbook balances and plaques on the wall. Bethlehem tells us that the loveliness is life in our relationships. Come see the baby. Come spend time with us and come spend time with the baby. That long ago Judea night when heaven dipped down to earth, there were no costly jewels, no golden streets, but instead a place where God was at home in a stable, a place where shepherds were as welcome as wise men, a place where, for a moment, nothing in creation was more important than a donkey who bore on his back a suffering woman, a woman of God's favor, a woman who stepped into a barn on the brink of the fullness of time and into a place where a stable filled with animals was a temple fit for a king. That's so like God, to send his one and only son into a place so humble, a place where voices joined in chorus with the first cry of a newborn. There is nothing in the world so new as Christmas, yet nothing in the world so old. Bethlehem tells us God is awake while most all the world sleeps. It was while the world lay in darkness that God chose to come down to earth. He came into a world of darkness then. He comes into a world of darkness now. Isn't it comforting to know that in a time of darkness and despair, God is always awake, is alive, and is still ruling the universe? Christmas asked us to follow the star, to look to the light, and to listen for the baby. Where there is light, there can be no darkness, and so it was into the night, that night that the baby came. The gift in the manger reminds us that the joy and the truth of Christmas can be recaptured. There is nothing in the world like a baby. The whole silly world stops when a baby is born. God, a baby at Bethlehem. The wonder of it all. There is nothing as tragic as missing something of such great importance when there was no reason to have missed it at all. That was the experience of those who missed the first Christmas and the experience of those who miss Christmas today. 
One of those was the innkeeper in Bethlehem. Think about it. He should not have missed it because he was so close to it. He missed the greatest and the most important birth in all of history, right in his own backyard. This child of prophecy, this baby, sent to restore and to redeem, born right under his nose. But he was so preoccupied with business, with noise and crowds and himself, that he missed the first Christmas in history. He had no room. What a tragedy to miss a chance like that. God's son, a baby born in a manger in Bethlehem. That's where we should start. Right there. That's where it all starts. So in the next couple of days, why don't you find your beginning? Maybe you already have in your way down the road. Thank God for that. Thank God for you. For the rest of us, if you're still looking, try the stable. There's something there that's really, really special. What happens when a young singer gets to cut a track with an R&B star? Yo! Or a young activist gets to chop it up with their hero? Oh, snap! You get McDonald's Black and Positively Golden Mentors, the series elevating the next generation of changemakers. Each episode, a must-see passing of the torch between the culture leaders of today and the young leaders of tomorrow. Check out Black and Positively Golden Mentors on Instagram at We Are Golden. Look out, world! We got it from here. New home ownership can be a real eye-opener, but it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from The Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates. Now at homedepot.com slash workshops. You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus, you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101, only at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. And now, Mr. Robert Goulet reads from The Writings of Bart, the collected after-school blackboard writings of young Bart Simpson. Mr. Goulet. I will not trade pants with others. I will not do that thing with my tongue. I will not Xerox my butt. A burp is not an answer. I will not pledge allegiance to Bart. I will not eat things for money. I will not bring sheep to class. I will not instigate revolution. My name is not Dr. Death. To experience all of Bart's blackboard writings, watch every classic episode of The Simpsons. I will not call the principal Spudhead. The Simpsons, now five times a week.
You know, when I was in radio all those years, um, most radio DJs dreaded Christmas. Why? Because every year, you know, the testing, those specialists, consultants come around. They test every song that's ever been written and put on a radio station, whatever your category is being, rock and roll, country, rap, whatever. They test every song. And when it comes to Christmas, folks, there are a lot of songs out there that just aren't really good songs. Everybody's got personal taste. But they tell the management of every radio station, here's what the group of songs that you need to play, put these in rotation, and start your Christmas music the day after Thanksgiving. And the way you do it is you'll start playing one Christmas song every hour and a half or every two hours. And then the next week you'll go twice an hour with the Christmas song. And then after that, three times an hour and then four times an hour. The problem is they only put about a hundred songs that are Christmas songs in your rotation. So by the time Christmas week rolls around like this week, the guy that's on the air, He's dreading every song that comes up because he's played it a hundred times before over the last 30 days. And it kind of diminishes some of the fun of Christmas because Christmas music, folks, some of the best music that's ever been written is a Christmas song. Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire. Marianne's favorite albums. is There's two albums in the group. Um, they were amazing pretty much with everything, four-part harmony. I'm talking about the Carpenters. And uh, every Christmas, we break out the superstar, the, the two albums of uh, Karen and Richard Carpenter and their group. It's a great time to celebrate, and that's what we need to be doing. And I hate to, I hate to turn south on the content of this show because we started the show talking about good things. Uh, we talked about Marilyn and the great investment she made in all of our lives through her life. Eight years later, we still look to her for answers and things that she did and told us all, and not just her daughters, but all of us in the family. She was quite a person, and she invested heavily in our lives and others. You learn a lot. You learn a lot sometimes when you just shut up, sit down, and watch Look around you and see what's happening in other people's lives. Learn from things. Learn from your mistakes. Learn from others' mistakes. You know what? You don't have to screw up. You don't. None of us do. When we do mess up, it's because we make a choice to do whatever it is that is the screw up. So how do you avoid that, Dan? You remember a few weeks ago we talked about something? If you're going to pray and ask God for anything, Ask him first for discernment, the ability to look at anything and anybody and to absolutely know without really knowing, get a sense. Somewhere deep down inside your heart or your mind, you get a sense. I don't know about this. I need to really dig deep and check this out. And if you'll do that and just make it part of your thought process, you'll miss a lot of the grenades that we voluntarily just pull the pin and throw in our own lives and see them disintegrate because of a stupid choice we make. I guess the best thing is, is try to make as few stupid <laughs> choices about things in your life. We're all going to make them from time to time. But if you put the big things, the important things first, pretty much all that other stuff just is add-on. It's something that's an afterthought, very little less.
So we do need today to segue over to some of the information things. And it's still, it's at warp speed every day. It never seems to slow down, even through the holidays. So after more than a year of doing everything within his power to undermine faith in the Trump vaccines, remember that? Joe Biden did it again this week. And he did it by calling for a segregated Christmas. So naturally, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci did the same thing. Right now, Fauci said, if there's an unvaccinated person, I would say, hey, I'm very sorry, but not this time. Maybe another time and this is all over. Fauci answered when he was asked if unvaccinated family members should be excluded from Christmas gatherings. I know some Americans are wondering if you can safely celebrate the holidays with your family and your friends. Fauci said that yesterday, as a matter of fact. The answer is yes. You can if you and those you celebrate with are vaxxed, particularly if you've gotten your booster shot. Sorry to interrupt, but I have a question. Does the vaccine work or not? Listen, Anthony, either the vaccine works or it doesn't. None of this grenade thing. Kind of get close to it and hope for the best. Uh Uh-uh. It's our lives. It's our bodies. If the vaccine works, there's no rational reason for the vaxxed to fear the unvaccinated, Dr. Fauci. Not to get too far into the weeds, but the whole point of the vaccine is to protect us from the virus. So if I'm protected from the virus with the vaccine, why the heck should I fear anybody that's unvaccinated? Or, hey doc, I just thought of this. Does the vaccine not work? Personally, folks, I don't think there's any question that the Trump vaccine works. It's doing something, and there are some people that are doing better after getting vaccinated. But the book's still out on the truth of it all. Most Americans are grateful for a lot of things in Donald Trump's administration. A lot of people that believe heavily in the vaccines are very, very thankful that Trump pulled out all the stops in his administration to get what Anthony Fauci told would take a minimum of two years, probably more into the three to four year range, getting a vaccine for this this virus. Trump, as a businessman, he knew how to find answers. He found answers. He got the plan, developed the plan in conjunction with Fauci and others of that ilk, Dr. Deborah Burks, and he got the vaccines to the market in eight months, not three years. And here we are, folks, Biden and Fauci, they're going at it again. They got the vaccine. They've been putting it out in the, in the millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of doses. We're still getting Omicron COVID-19 now. We had Delta. We had the original form. And they tell us there are multiple forms that are going to come. Here Biden and Fauci go again. It's just a fact that when you tell the vaccinated not to spend Christmas with the unvaccinated, you're saying the vaccine doesn't work. But what else are we supposed to learn when the vaccinated are told to be afraid of the unvaccinated? 
The truth is, if the vaccinated and unvaccinated gather for Christmas, the unvaccinated people are the only people taking a risk. If you believe the vaccine works, yep, there's a tiny chance the vaccinated can get seriously ill or even die. But guess what? The vaccinated are also dying, getting sick, transmitting the virus. So they haven't eliminated the possibility of catching or transmitting the virus with the vaccine. And now they even tell us it only decreases the possibility of that. They say the vaccine works like a miracle in its ability to lessen the symptoms now and save you from a severe illness, from hospitalization, and even death. They didn't say that before. You're going to die if you don't get vaccinated. And now they're saying... If you get vaccinated, you're not fully vaccinated until you get one, two boosters. And now they're saying three and four are necessary. Having the unvax over to your house for Christmas probably doesn't increase your odds of catching the flu. (laughs) Your odds stay the same. So why are Biden and Fauci deliberately undermining confidence in the vaccine? Why are they intentionally misleading the American people at the expense of increasing vaccination rates? The answer, it's obvious, and you know that. The organized left, that's Biden, Fauci, elected Democrats, Hollywood, the medical deep state, the media, big tech, yada, 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 yada. Look at who is currently vaccinated and who is not vaccinated and are thrilled at the results. It's largely Trump voters who remain unvaccinated. And it is Trump voters who are doing most of the dying, you say. This makes Biden and Fauci very, very happy. They don't want to change a thing about that. You see, the left does not want to increase vaccination rates because doing so would save the lives of these Trump supporters. This is their thought process. So they lie and they lie and they lie to make the vaccine seem ineffective, and they undermine and undermine and undermine our confidence to keep Trump supporters unvaccinated so they can die from the, from the virus. So on top of wanting us dead, the left also wants the unvaccinated, who they see and describe as Trump supporters, they want any Trump supporter to be treated as a second-class citizen, walking disease, They want them shunned, degraded, dehumanized, and subjugated. Why? I told you this from the very first show we ever had. The difference between a conservative and a hardcore leftist. They'll both talk to you. If you're from the other side, whichever side you're on, and you talk to somebody that has a political philosophy opposite of yours, they'll talk to you. They may not talk nice to you, but the difference between conservatives and leftists or this. A conservative will talk to you and try to persuade you, talk about the good things of conservatism, all of it rolled in together. It's a good place to be. And they'll stop right there. The Democrat or even farther leftist, when they talk to you about their philosophy, about we need to have more money in our government, we need to have more power in our government, We need to enlighten and empower all those in office 
in Washington, D.C. to have the power to do anything and everything, and we're just simply supposed to listen and abide and not argue or push back. They'll tell you that, and if you give them any pushback, if you try after they do that spill, you try to talk to them, you try to reason with them, they go crazy. They'll turn the the spigot off. They'll look at you with blazing, hateful, demonic red eyes, and they'll paint you immediately as an indigent, worthless, unvaluable person that needs to be swept away like garbage. Why? Because you disagree with them. That's the difference between the two. And so this has become more of a, I'm smarter than you. I know more than you. That's what it's become at the top of our medical professional heap. And at the very top is Anthony Fauci. And he wants to have the last word. It's like those little bitty dogs. We have a couple of little bitty dogs. They're not yippers. You know the kind of dog I'm talking about? A poodle. Um, A little bitty dog that barks a lot. And you can be in the middle of a room trying to have a conversation, maybe talk on the phone, and your dog's standing over there just doing that yip, 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 nonstop yip. And you can put your hand over the phone so whoever's on the other end can't hear you. You'll holler at the dog and tell the dog, shut your yapping mouth. And every time that dog will look up at you and you'll get one more yap before the dog quietens. Why is that? Dog wants to have the last word. Leftists always want to have the last word. And they're going to get the last word. There's no compromise. There's no unity. It's all divisiveness. And what COVID-19 has done is divided us even more. We used to be realistically close together in many areas. Not so anymore. I mean... They draw the lines. We conservatives, we draw the lines. And don't you dare. You can walk up to my line, but don't you dare cross that line. Instead of trying to find those very few things on which we agree and build the relationship on that, build the nation on that. Hey, that's happened here before, hasn't it? But anytime these things come out there, You know, we're talking about wearing a mask. Even the medical director at CNN on Monday of this week said, masks don't work. We published 47 different laboratory test results that came straight from the CDC's own website. All 47 of them. They all came out at the bottom. Not a single mask in the marketplace today stops effectively COVID-19 transmission. Fauci won't talk about that. Oh, you mask up. You double mask. You triple mask. You mask up every time. I mean, that's the panacea. That's the go-to first strike thing for the hard left to use on their way for totalitarian lockdowns. And that's where we find ourselves today. Every couple of days, the notch on totalitarian lockdowns, it just ratchets one click further. Yesterday, Washington, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser, she announced she's going to mandate patrons. Patrons. Now, that's people that go into places of business. 
places like restaurants, gyms, bars, theaters, museums. You're going to have to show proof of vaccination to get in those indoor venues starting January 15th. Now, she didn't give out the details of the mandate. The particulars were going to be unveiled January 2nd. But the mayor indicated the the mandate will be enforced by businesses on patrons that are 12 years and older. Grocers and churches will be exempt. Acceptable forms of proof of vaccination include a CDC-issued vax card, an immunization printout from the patient portal of a person's vaccine or healthcare provider, or through a COVID-19 verification app like Vax Yes or Clear. The mayor's mandate follows New York City, L.A., Boston, Philly, Chicago, all Democrat-controlled city. Little commonality there. Forcing individuals to get vaxxed to enter certain private businesses. The decision to implement mandates, it's the latest reaction to the Omicron variant. And it's just one in a string of chaotic regressions during this presidential administration. In the last two weeks alone, folks, sports leagues have been shutting down, postponing games, testing kits have become in short supply. The CDC has flagged the Johnson & Johnson vaccine for safety hazards. Schools, they just closed early for Christmas break. And wear the mask. Get the shot. Wear the mask. None of it is working It's not working how they told us it would work. Folks, the year of 2020, before we had any vaccines, a bunch of Americans died from the virus, COVID-19. A bunch of them did. Nobody can intelligently counter that. You can't counter it with any evidence. Yeah, we all know the death numbers that are tagged with an official cause of death of COVID, they're very, very inflated. But a bunch of Americans did die as a result of catching and losing a battle with COVID-19. We know that. But did you know the vaccines came into being here and started being put in people's arms in the tens of millions in January of this year? With the week left in December, do you know that already in the vaccine year of Joe Biden, more Americans have died from the virus than died in the previous year, you know, the one where we didn't have vaccinations. Why is that? You can't ask that question. You just can't get that question answered by somebody who may know the answer to it. And it fuels so much conspiracy um, theorists out there. Everybody's got, well, you know why that's happening. And then they'll launch into this diatribe that lasts 10 or 15 minutes in which they insert another dozen or so conspiracy theories. So in the middle of this, I'm going to tell you about what the FDA announced yesterday. I'm just going to tell you the facts. And the whole while when I'm talking, I want you to be thinking about this. Why did the FDA do this? Why did they do it? What I'm talking about is yesterday the FDA granted emergency use authorization to Pfizer for their treatment pill. Coming about a month after the federal government announced it was going to purchase 10 million doses of the drug. Interesting, interesting that those are tied together. The pill is called 
Paxlovid. It's taken twice a day for five days in combination with a second medicine called Ritonavir, classified as a generic antiviral drug. The drug is aimed to help patients who are suffering from mild to moderate COVID symptoms. Stops them from getting so sick that they need to be hospitalized. That's what Pfizer tells us. Today's authorization introduces the first treatment for COVID that is in the form of a pill. It's taken orally, a major step forward in the fight against the global pandemic. That's Dr. Patrizia Cavazzoni, director of the FDA's Center for Drug Evaluation and Research. The drug, available only through prescription, can be initiated as soon as possible following a positive diagnosis of COVID. This authorization provides a brand new tool to combat COVID at a crucial time in the pandemic as new variants emerge, promises to make antiviral treatment more accessible to patients who are at high risk for the progression to severe COVID-19. Yada, 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 yada. The only thing that's important, I ask this, a pill, a pill. What's the difference? You, 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 you inject medicine. When you inject these vaccines, is this pill? Can't they just make an oral version of this vaccine and we just take it instead of getting a jab? Here's the reason. The FDA acted, and they acted yesterday. Why did they do it yesterday? This pill's been around for several months. We've heard all about it. All of the research, the testing, and all of that's been turned over to the FDA What's the big deal? If it's so good and it's been around, we knew it was there, why didn't we do it earlier? The last sentence of that first paragraph, the FDA's approval comes about a month after the federal government announced, hey, we're going to buy 10 million courses of the drug. Bingo. I don't have a clue how good it is, how effective it is. I don't have a clue. I have no knowledge of it. All I've known is probably what you've known. You've heard them tell us, hey, we've got a new vaccine, an oral one, that's coming to the marketplace any day, and it's going to be far better than the jab and far more productive. I've got a frog in my throat. I am so sorry. But the, the, the real horror of this, we just explain why it happened. Pfizer, they're a corporation, a big corporation. They're big. And for any one of their clients to make an announcement, hey, we're going to buy 10 million courses of a new drug that's come out. Bow. I'm going to do everything as necessary. We'll work 24-7. Unlike what they're not doing that Joe Biden said they are doing it, at the ports in California. They're not working 24-7 shifts like he said they were and still says they are, and they're not. But the, the big question mark in this whole thing, why do you think the FDA leaves these drugs in emergency use authorization? I'll tell you why. Same thing that the group of legislators in the Congress felt when they together pinned a question and sent it to the Biden administration on Monday of this week. The question is, when are we going to stop taking liability in the federal government for what the drug companies are going to do? Anytime the FDA approves a drug, 
and they approve it in EUA status, which is emergency use authorization only. When a drug comes to the marketplace in that status, for any of the adverse reactions that anybody has to those that medication, it doesn't matter what, what that adverse situation is, death, maiming, permanent disability, heart attack, whatever it is, all of it rolled in together. Guess what? The family member of that person that loses a family member because of that vaccine and adverse reaction to it, you can't sue the drug company. The drug company's been indemnified by the taxpayers. Our government gave them complete no liability for this particular product. Here we are. We're almost a year into our vaccines. Why are they in emergency use authorization? Well, somebody will say, hey, hey, wait a minute. Pfizer's Pfizer's drug, BioNTech, it's fully approved for vaccines. I mean, in September, the FDA fully approved it. No, they didn't. They lied about it, but they lied it using only the slip of wording in their authorization. They did not authorize BioNTech's and Pfizer's joint put-together vaccine. They authorized one named Comardini, another Pfizer vaccine that was quietly under development. That's the one that has been the only one that's been fully authorized by the FDA. Now, what's the big deal about that? Well, they're going to start using the one that's authorized, right? No. You can go on Pfizer's website right now and do a search on that drug, Comardity, and it will tell you. In fact, they have a disclaimer. That drug, that vaccine for COVID-19 is not available in the United States, period. Now, why do you think that is? And why would they, they say... They being the media, not the government. The FDA put it out in their original authorization when they announced it. We published it on our website. I read it to you verbatim the day that it came out so you would understand. Pfizer's BioNTech vaccination is not fully authorized. And I don't think it will be. I don't think any of it will be. These companies cut deals with the Biden administration. The love of money is the root of all evil. There is massive amounts of big money in big tech. Follow the money. Follow the money. Wow, this first hour is gone in a hurry. Well, 55 minutes. But it was great to get a a perception of Christmas as as it pertains to losing people that you love around this time of year. Told you yesterday about the story of my personal life on December 22nd, 1969, my father left my mother and me, just changed our lives forever. My older brother was already gone. He was in uh, the Navy and was overseas at that particular time. But it changed everything. And it changed everything for the better for mom and for me. And for my dad. He died a happy man. So bad things happen to good people. And every Christmas, there are a lot of people around us. Sometimes we are ourselves. We're caught up in some bad stuff. But there's a way around that. (laughs) And that's what the Christmas season is all about. We need to find a way around it. 
and live that process of getting around it, getting through it, so that we can make every day a happy, merry day instead of every day waking up and saying, oh my gosh, I wish I didn't have to deal with any of this stuff. That would mean, folks, you're dead. (laughs) And I don't think we want to go down that road. We've got another hour left. We've got some good things to chat with you about. An interesting occurrence yesterday in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. You know, the heavy, heavy, very far left uh, appeal court district, the Ninth. And that basically covers the whole um, left part of the United States, California, uh, Arizona, Nevada, Utah, Washington, Oregon, the most liberal parts of the state. But they weighed in on a pretty positive, conservative issue yesterday. I was shocked. We have that and a whole lot more, and we're going to listen to some wisdom coming from Jen Psaki. In fact, you'll hear from old Jen right after this at TNN Live. American ladders and scaffolds. Deal with the experts. Scaffolding rental and setup. Installation of truck racks, Lear truck caps, tonneau covers, and van shelving. Fall protection. Ladder and scaffold training and inspections. Little giant ladders. Custom access ladders and guardrails for commercial buildings. American Ladders and Scaffolds. Delivery everywhere, every day. American Ladders and Scaffolds. We take you higher. We take you higher. A divorce lawyer should be more than just a lawyer. Divorce is like no other experience, especially for guys. At Cordell and Cordell, our clients want a partner standing next to them, someone they can trust, someone who understands where they are and how to get them out. We are the attorneys of Cordell and Cordell. We are advisors and advocates for men before, during, and after divorce. We are Cordell and Cordell, a partner men can count. To schedule your appointment, give us a call or visit us online at CordellCordell.com. ABC Tonight. It's all about big cash. Here we go! And big crash. <laughs> On the new season of Celebrity Wheel of Fortune, one star will spin it. Give me some money! To win it all. The big winner of $1 million. Then, host Leslie Jones is off to the races on Supermarket Sweep. On your carts! Get set! Yeah. And we're going to need a cleanup on every aisle. You are on fire! It all starts tonight, 8, 7 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. What up, y'all? It's DJ Envy, and I'm teaming up with Turtle Wax this summer to make sure your rides are clean, shiny, protected, and even disinfected. Because whether you're hitting the streets or heading out on the highway to the beach, Turtle Wax will make sure your vehicle is looking, smelling, and feeling amazing. Turtle Wax is the only brand that I trust with my fleet of supercars. And y'all know how many cars I keep in my garage, right? Check out TurtleWax.com to learn more, and be sure to buy now at TurtleWax.com or anywhere you shop for car care. I like Christmas music, don't you? (laughs) It's a great time of year. I mean, we all have kids, most of us. Kids, nieces and nephews, little brothers and sisters. It's a fun time. If it's not fun for anybody but the kids, it's worth every minute of it. And I'm so glad Christmas is here. It's hard to believe that just a week later, we're going to be looking at 2023. 
my goodness, the last decade, the last two decades have just flown by. I remember, I mean, it seems like Y2K just happened, you know, the year 2000 just happened. And it's really hard to believe that was 23 years ago. Yeah, we started a new decade. We started a new century. We started a new millennium in 2000. Think about that, folks. Think about that. So, have you been shopping? Is it as bad as you had seen before? I mean, empty shelves, you can't get any of the good stuff that everybody wants. The same thing here at Christmas time. You're struggling with finding the presents for your kids while costs are going through the roof, right? Well, that's pretty much the case at most places. I don't know that we're out of everything, all the important things, but you can if you go into a Walmart or any department store or grocery store. You're going to find some aisles and some things that you've just taken for granted that you need and you run to the store and pick it up. They're not going to have it. Why? Supply chain issues. It's a daisy chain of creating products and getting them to the shelves and stores around the United States. A lot of our stuff comes from overseas. Why does it come from overseas through the years? Administrations have pushed it offshore to be able to get it done cheaper and save people, Americans, especially big corporations over here, save them a lot of money. Why? It's a daisy chain. They pay pay taxes. Federal government loves taxes. It's the only way they can live and survive. So this supply chain issue, you would think if Joe Biden is such a great leader and his White House communications officer told us all they started working on the supply chain problem even before Joe Biden was inaugurated into office on January 20th. And so Saki was asked yesterday in the White House press briefing, what about all the stuff that's missing on the shelves? Hey, um, <clears throat> I know we've dumped a hello, a lot of news in your inboxes this morning. The New York Times said today Christmas gifts are arriving on time this year. Good news. We've saved Christmas. And that is because President Biden recognized this challenge early, acted as an honest broker to bring key stakeholders together and focused on addressing practical problems across the global supply chain. We'll see you later. So the reason this was all happening, the reason it was happening, folks, yeah, you got some music going on there. There you go. That was that was in that little segment coming after Jen Psaki left. They saved Christmas. The White House did. Jen Psaki and Joe and Kamala, they all got together and they saved Christmas because everything's cheaper. Why is it cheaper? Everybody's getting everything they want. Not so, but it sounds good. And hey, it's symbolic. This administration, every Democratic administration, everything you hear, everything they talk about, everything they tell us about, it's symbolic almost every time. There's no substance there. And, you know, forget about the fact that you went to the grocery store today and you couldn't get any fresh vegetables. The particular cut of meat that you want, You can't get that. Bread, it's short. Well, I thought everything was okay. Well, Jen Psaki said, hey, forget about the facts that are in front of your noses. 
just rely on us. We're going to take care of you. Even when we say we took care of you and you're still not taken care of, you're not thinking right. Yeah, you're okay. Why? Because Jen Psaki said you're okay. It's a vicious circle. So what about the Ninth Circuit thing that I told you about? Well, the Ninth Circuit on November 30th reversed a lower court ruling siding with California Attorney General Rob Bonta and allowing a ban on the possession of large-capacity magazines for guns. District Court Judge Roger Benitez had ruled against the ban on July 3rd of 2017, and his ruling was upheld by a three-judge panel of the Ninth Circuit a year later, on July 17th of 2018. Benitez then ruled against the ban again on March 29, 2019, and the Ninth Circuit ruled the large-capacity magazine ban was unconstitutional on August 14th last year. Then it went to a hearing of the Ninth Circuit, and on November 30th, that ruling was issued in favor of the ban. Following that ruling, the California Rifle and Pistol Association filed a motion to stay that ruling so as to provide time for an appeal to be filed with the Supreme Court. Plaintiffs, including that Rifle Association, acted quickly and filed a motion to stay mandate, which would keep the status quo in place while a writ of seratory is filed with the Supreme Court to appeal the decision of the panel. On December 20th, the Ninth Circuit granted the motion to stay the issuance of mandate for 150 days while the filings are completed for the Supreme Court. It's just a vicious circle. They work the system. It's almost like everybody in a legal situation, even in state governments, they understand if we can throw stuff at them and keep them busy, file these lawsuits, and when a court comes back and rejects our uh, what we claimed in our filing, we appeal it to a different court, and it's just a vicious cycle. But while it's all going on, all the bad stuff is forgotten about, and in many cases, we'll be able to slip on unnoticed and get these lockdowns, these mandates on everything, not just about going somewhere, but we don't want you to have a magazine in your gun. Why would anybody need a gun that shot more than one bullet? They don't even bother to tell anybody. A huge majority of the shootings that happen in the United States in self-defense happen and multiple shots are necessary to stop the perpetrator of completing their crime, their intended crime on people that own guns legally and defend themselves legally. They want to make every semi-automatic, every semi-automatic, want to make it illegal. You don't need more than one bullet. (laughs) Especially when you're in trouble. You don't shoot everything real slow, taking your time, laying down on a mat with a gun sight, holding your breath at the right time and squeezing the trigger the right way. Somebody's trying to hurt you and you got to respond. You got to act quickly. That changes the direction of a shot a whole lot of kind, a whole lot of times. As 
everybody expects when the government starts throwing around a lot of money, and I'm not talking about $100 bills. I'm not even talking about $1,000 bills, which aren't even in circulation anymore. I'm talking about multi-million dollar bills. The federal government's going to waste it. There's going to be fraud. I mean, serious cases of fraud. And with all this pandemic relief money floating around, you can bet fraudulent cases are popping up more and more every day. More than 900 such cases linked to pandemic-related relief money. 900 cases plus are being investigated. That's coming from the Secret Service. Those are the people in government that have to look into financial crimes, criminal crimes regarding money. In a statement, the Secret Service added there was potentially fraud nearing $100 billion related to the relief funds disseminated by the government last year. The $100 billion number is based on the aggregate of two previous reports by the Inspector General that have been public for months looked at issues in 2020. There's no new research data or analysis of fraud, the statement noted. Presumably, that figure is now even higher. Most of the loss has come from unemployment benefits that were improperly disbursed. The exploitation of pandemic-related relief is an investigative priority for the Secret Service and its partners. You know, the company line thing. The statement also announced the appointment of an assistant special agent in charge, Roy Dotson, as the Secret Service coordinator of National Pandemic Fraud Recovery. Secret Service now has more than 900 active criminal investigation into fraud specific to pandemic-related relief funds. It just reminds me of that song Taylor Swift wrote. Haters gonna hate, liars gonna lie, (laughs) thieves are gonna be thieves and do what thieves do, right? Rattlesnakes are gonna bite you. You mess with rattlesnakes, you're gonna get bitten. Sadly, that's taxpayer money. Billions of dollars wasted. We'll never recover that money. I think they just automatically know whenever they do a big money government giveaway, they expect, oh, there's going to be corruption in this. We know that. And it's only, you know, a few billion dollars. That's no big deal in the context. Money giveaway from D.C. is no big deal. Joe Biden... He, he was adamant. You know, that um, extension of having to make loan payments on the student loans. He was going to make sure that it all went away. He was going to cancel student loan debt. I think somebody got in his ear that knows he couldn't do it. It was a, uh, a move that was made by Congress. No president has any legal authority to go against a congressional action when it comes to spending money. And so... He actually made a big deal about it. No, I'm not going to extend the time for, you know, these these people are going to have to start making those payments again on the student loans. Well, he very quietly yesterday, he extended the moratorium on federal student loan payments through May of next year. That gives Americans another four months of no payments or interest in the middle of the COVID pandemic. The pause on these payments was first enacted by the Trump administration in March last year to assist those economically impacted by the pandemic. Makes sense. Let's just put a pause on it for 
a month or two. Biden said the pause has given millions of Americans badly needed breathing room. We know that millions of student loan borrowers are still coping with the impacts of the pandemic and need some more time before resuming their payments. Meanwhile, the Department of Education will continue working with borrowers to ensure they have the support they need to transition smoothly back into repayment and advance economic stability for their own households and for our nation. It all sounds so grandiose and good. You know, Joe Biden and his previous partner in the administration, the Obama administration, he and Barack came up with this idea. You know, the federal government didn't own student loans. They didn't have anything to say about the process at all. It was being done privately. And they thought those people that were lending those money to those students were unethical, taking advantage of them. So they, in their wisdom, Joe and Barack decided, hey, we'll just we'll just buy all that loans. We'll manage it. The federal government will do a better job. And all that's happened, folks, is the cost of these student loans because who sets Who sets the tuitions, the room and board, everything that's required for somebody to go to university? Well, the university does. Listen here. Hey, hey, hey. We've got a great business opportunity now because the federal government is lending all the money for student loans. And we have access into the way the government handles that And they're going to handle it based upon what we charge these students. So we're going to start raising our tuition and other fees by 10 to 15%, 50%. And over the last 10 years, that's exactly what has happened. And now, you just watch. They're going to find a way to cancel all outstanding student debt and make it just mysteriously go away. No responsibility, no accountability. That means you and I will have to eat it. Now, let me just say this. I want everybody to get the education that is necessary for them to move forward in their life. But I don't want to be charged out the wazoo by these so-called institutions of learning that are raising their prices beyond any kind of reasonable levels. I'm talking about, in some cases, $200,000 for a one-year visit to a university living on campus and going to school full-time. $100,000 a year is not uncommon at all. Even the places in state schools where you used to go and you could go for, because it was in your state and those universities, public universities were subsidized by the government, you could go there for just a little bit of nothing. A few thousand dollars for a year got you through it. No longer. They're all looking at the federal government as nothing more than a piggy bank. And so they can just raise their prices and the student loan operation is going to fund these students that want to go to your university and pay the price. Not thinking that they were going to come back and get out of the workforce with those fancy degrees and can't even get a job because they're not qualified or the market's changed. And the best job they can get is a barista at Starbucks. That's happening a lot. 
So there's a lot of chaos in this government and other places besides the economy, besides COVID-19. 13 urgent care medical clinics closed yesterday in New York City and New Jersey. Why? Well, the only reason it came to light was because Biden made a promise on the day before to expand Omicron testing sites across the region. City MD, which is an urgent care medical clinic, participates in testing in New Jersey and New York State, those residents for COVID. They've closed 13 clinics because of labor shortages. And the labor shortages are fueled by the Omicron variant and also by big unemployment insurance payments by the federal government to subsidize state unemployment benefits. And a lot of these blue-collar workers, they just loaded this money all up and stuck some of it in the bank and they're living off of it. The company spokesman said, to preserve our ability to staff our sites, we are temporarily closing certain locations effective to yesterday, actually, the 22nd. It's our hope that closing sites now will best allow us to avoid future closures as this surge continues. So they're happening already in the Bronx, Brooklyn, Long Island, Manhattan, Queens, Westchester, and New Jersey. Mayor Bill de Blasio said, the city's big New Year's Eve event will move forward so long as we can do it safely. 15,000 of New York State's 23,000 COVID cases are in Manhattan. Tuesday, Biden announced the federal government is going to construct additional testing sites in New York City because of the Omicron chaos. No workers can't get anybody to man the sites. It's unknown how many he's talking about erecting, but with 13 private sites offline for the foreseeable future, the New York City region is already short 13 more sites than existed two days ago. Biden, of course, he stays up at that 10,000-foot level, and he says he announced this. It's the only responsible thing to do. Omicron is serious and potentially deadly business for unvaccinated people. Clay Travis, I like him a lot. He said this, Dr. Fauci says if someone in your family isn't vaccinated, you shouldn't let them spend Christmas with you. Shameful that this man is still employed in any capacity by our government. I know you're tired. I know you're frustrated. We all want this to be over. This is President Biden speaking, but we're still in it. We also have more tools than we had before. He said about 43,000 individuals tested positive in New York City last week, compared with fewer than 35,000 the entire month of November. Omicron is ramping up, and we can't test patients for it. Wait a minute. I thought this administration came into office, and they were going to be more structured, more organized, more compliant had much closer relationships with the people and knew better the things, the challenges that the people were experiencing. And they would, as compared to Donald Trump and his administration, this administration was going to plan, organize, structure, implement, staff, 
make it all work. Everything was going to click in COVID-19. I'm going to kill COVID-19, Joe Biden told us in his campaign. And on his watch, more people died from COVID-19 in just 10 months than died the whole previous year under Donald Trump. Trump didn't have any vaccines. Joe does. What's up with that? Always get the truth on TNN, the Truth News Network. Find it exclusively at truthnewsnet.org. Grab an ice-cold can of Celsius and stay active and energized all day. Celsius is better for you energy, made with premium ingredients, zero sugar, and seven essential vitamins, with no high-fructose corn syrup, no aspartame, no preservatives, and no artificial colors or flavors. Celsius is just the essential energy you need to keep you fueled and active all day. Celsius, essential energy, live fit. Now find Celsius at Celsius.com or a retailer near you. Here's good news. Even with high unemployment, there's still a need for hundreds of thousands of cybersecurity professionals in the U.S. right now. And my computer career is training people to help meet the demand. No IT experience? No problem. Take the free career evaluation today at mycomputercareer.edu. Start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Grants covering up to 53% of the cost are available to those who qualify. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. I know, I know. That's back from, um, I guess, the first decade of this century. Maybe even late 1900s. Mannheim Steamroller. That's from the Hallelujah Chorus from the Messiah. Just a different kind of Christmas sound. I don't want to get tired. I don't want to tire you with the Christmas music we play here. We've got a very special show in line for you for tomorrow. Very special show. And... Um, Right before we end the show today, going to tell you what it is. But you're going to want to be here. You're going to, by the way, you're going to make it part of what your family's doing on Christmas Eve, getting ready, getting ready for the holiday. <laughs> and to help you, you still got some last-minute shopping to do. Well, guess what? Uncle Joe made gas cheaper. Oh, my gosh. You know, it went up a couple of bucks a gallon for most people since he took office, but he's knocked it out, hasn't he? Now, gas prices are coming down, more than 10 cents a gallon nationally. Gas prices in 21 states now are at their historic averages before the pandemic, historic averages. That's good news for Americans hitting the road this week. More than 10 cents a gallon nationally. 10 cents a gallon. Oh, my gosh. That'll save you miracles. If you've got a car like mine, that's a buck 60 every time I fill up because of his dime that he takes credit for, and he had very little to do with it. But you know what? He doesn't have a lot to pat himself on the back about. Oh, they're good at creating something that's fake and then patting themselves on the back. But substantively, eh, not so much. Not so much. I told you about CNN's medical analysis when Leona, Dr. Le, it's Leanna, 
win. She uh, was the one that went on the air Monday and just blew the CNN sycophants, blew them out of the park because she said, eh, this mask thing, there's no proof that masks work. Cloth masks, they're nothing more than a face ornament, she said. Well, she came out again, and she dropped another little bomb on it. Yesterday on CNN's newsroom, she said that Joe Biden should go further in placing restrictions on Americans who have not gotten COVID vaccines. Wynn said this, I think that we will see the Omicron as a very large number of infections due to COVID-19. The question, though, she said, is are we going to see a decoupling of infections with hospitalizations and death? That would be ideal. The entire point of vaccination, the main point of vaccination, is to reduce severe illness. And so if we're able to avoid overwhelming our healthcare systems, that would be the goal. Is there going to be a lot of people who get Omicron? Absolutely. But the hope is that enough people have been vaccinated in some parts of the country and many parts of the world that we're going to prevent the worst of it. And she added this, I do have a lot of concern about what happens to parts of this country. For example, they have very low vaccination rates. This is another reason why I think President Biden's message yesterday was the right one in some way in saying vaccinated people should move on with their lives but be careful. But I wish that he would go further to restrict their activities, the activities of the unvaccinated, because they're the ones who are still spreading COVID and they're prolonging the pandemic for all of us. This is, quote Joe Biden, this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. And it's anything but that. Let me just dumb it down just a little bit. And dumb it down is a bad term. Let me just take it to a place where you probably haven't thought. Let's talk about the flu. Do you know that the flu kills people every year? Do you know that the CDC on that same report, the VAERS report, they report any adverse reactions that happen in people's lives from the flu vaccines? You know those vaccines that you're taking every year. Well, you're supposed to. Why? Because there's a different strain. Do you know that there are far more cases, far more cases of the flu and really bad cases of the flu than there are of the same type of COVID-19 infections? Go look up the numbers for yourself and you'll find out. I'm telling you the truth. The flu and the flu vaccines have never been politicized. I wonder why. Why is that? Well, basically because the body's pretty darn good at pushing back against the flu and keeping the flu in many cases from getting worse and worse and turning into pneumonia and even worse than that. You put the two side by side. I'm talking about COVID-19 and the flu, influenza, its various variations. And they justify getting flu vaccines every year is because the variants of the flu come back and we've got to alter the vaccination, the vaccine. Still, people, lots of people that get vaccinated for the flu get the flu. And sometimes they get really bad cases of the flu. Are we looking at a similar situation with COVID-19? It's similar in that way, 
the medical, the biology part of it is very similar. What is very different is this process that's been put together. Basically, it began in one spot that hasn't been touched in the flu situation. What's that spot? Vaccinations. You've got to get vaccinations for COVID-19 or you're going to die. You've got to get vaccinations for COVID-19. If you don't, you're going to kill everybody you love by giving it to them. How many times have you heard that over the last year? I mean, it is the go-to talking point from everybody on the left. There are a lot of people in Congress, a lot of far leftists, a lot of totalitarian that are cloaked as socialism uh, pundits. Every time there's a big spike in COVID cases that end up with a big spike in deaths, they're glad. You know why? Because it gives them fuel in their political quiver to shoot against their opponents politically. Folks, sitting in Washington, D.C. and coming up with lockdown and egregious totalitarian things that you're going to bark orders at the American people about, it's not worked. It never has worked. Why? Because this is not a government that is structured about the whole. It's not owned and operated, the nation isn't by a group of people. It's bottom-up governing. It's not top-down. And they just summarily reject that, these far leftists like Dr. Wynn. What's the big deal about just shutting up, getting the vaccination, and you're, they tell us, going to stop giving your germs to everybody around you in your world? And then we find out breakthrough vaccination infections are out the wazoo. We're not even getting the correct numbers. We were getting them weekly on the CDC website for about a month after the breakthrough infections began, or they began to tell us about them. And it got so many that they didn't want us to concentrate on it in the public. And they said, we didn't want to scare the public. So we're just going to roll those numbers into the, these people got COVID-19. They tested positive. They have COVID-19. They don't tell you how many breakthrough, what percentages are. Facts, facts. They don't want us to have the facts. You know why? When you get the facts, you can make educated conclusions. And they don't like the obvious conclusions that Americans are coming to. What's that? The vaccinations are ineffective. There's something else going on with that, and that something else has got a lot of people, tens of millions of Americans, that are saying, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I want to know what's in that vaccine. I mean, what's really in it. And then when we we listen to Dr. Robert Malone, who you've heard here on this, who's he and what's he about? He's the guy that invented mRNA, the very process of mRNA and biology from which you make a vaccine for anything. He's dead set against using that and for people to not get mRNA vaccines. Of the three we have here, there's only one that's not mRNA-based, and that's Johnson & Johnson. And our federal government has gone after Johnson & Johnson because of one adverse effect that they're seeing among these J&J vaccinated people. 
I hope you follow all of this, and I hope you're really objectively thinking through when these things keep coming out that are telling us things in the world, the reality, are not the same thing that we're hearing from our government leaders. In fact, they told us, you do this, and this is going to happen. Everything's going to be okay. We do this, we're not okay, and everything's not okay. And what about this new threat from Omicron? Where are the American people on this? Well, the far left, as you know, especially in media, they immediately painted this as the next disaster in the United States and the world, that people are going to start dying in the, in the millions from Omicron. It's going to be the most transmissible. It's going to infect more people, going to happen quickly. And we don't yet know how deadly it is, but it's going to be bad. We do know that. It's going to be bad. Ooh, it is. It is leading the numbers, going up in, in pace, faster than Delta ever did in infections. Omicron is. But what's not happening is people aren't getting deathly ill and ending up in hospitals and in intensive care units on ventilators, getting remdesivir, three rounds at $1,000 a pop. That's not happening in Omicron. But yet, they've shut down everything again. Schools, restaurants, other types of entertainment venue. New York City has totally shut down Broadway, Gone. The Rockettes aren't even doing their amazing Christmas presentations. It's because of Omicron, and everybody's going to die. So what is the scientific basis for declaring the Omicron variant is an ominous threat to us? This variant has been out, it's been out there for weeks. So far, only one person in the U.S. has died from Omicron. It appears to be more infectious than the Delta, but it's still early to be declaring it an ominous threat. There's even a school of thought that says Omicron might be less deadly and therefore our way out of this mess. The thinking is that if we all catch the less deadly variant and we get natural immunity, somebody's actually talking again about we can get natural immunity. That's a win-win route to herd immunity. Yeah, Omicron could prove to be deadlier than the Delta, but as of today, Thursday, there is no justification for any scare headline like we're getting everywhere. Further, it's almost certainly scare headlines like that that partly explain why Americans are turning on the ongoing fear porn. We're two years into this pandemic. You do understand that. And that means despite the fake medias and the organized left, their ongoing crusade to terrify us, we know what the score is. Most Americans are vaccinated, and those who are not understand the risk. So we're going to go on about our lives and ignore their fear porn. What's more, those who still feel they are at risk, the sick and anyone with a compromised immune system already knows to remain cautious, even if they're vaccinated. But the people in government just don't trust Americans to make the right choices. They don't believe we know what to do, even though they ram it down our throats. Folks, 
200 million Americans have listened and gotten vaccinated. Whether you believe in vaccines for this, the jabs and all that, or you're against it. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about 200, more than half the nation are vaccinated. And yet they're with fear, fear porn. They're shutting down all of our systems again. School, they got out early for Christmas. We don't know when school's going to go back in. Businesses are shutting down. More and more businesses are requiring you to be vaccinated to even go through the doors to come into their locations and spend money with them. How is that going to be healthy? How is it going to work? My son, as you know, we talk about him quite a bit here. Caleb, he's an executive at a big hospital in Arlington, Texas. I'll just uh, I'll just pull up his latest numbers. He's telling us on a daily basis what the case count is in their hospital for COVID-19, what variant it is, is and how many patients are there, testing positive, how many in intensive care, how many on ventilators. It's a 400-bed hospital. As of yesterday, 24 positive cases total of COVID. Three people are in the intensive care unit, three and they have about 40. And those three are the only ones in the hospital that are on ventilators. It was the same number the day before. It's the same number today. Nobody's died in their hospital or their other two affiliated hospitals in Plano and downtown Dallas. Everybody understands, whether they want to accept it or not, everybody understands COVID-19 kills people. There are people that it kills more easily and quicker than they do other people. Some people have herd immunity, natural immunity. I am, uh, I am respirationally, I'm a candidate. I'm a candidate to be a person that would be susceptible to COVID-19. I have a lung condition that resulted from a very, very bad case of bacterial pneumonia that I got when I went to to Cozumel in Mexico back in 1990, the winter of 1990. Went down there with a big group. We were living in Indianapolis, radio station. Marianne and I hosted a jumbo jet full of people, and we went down there for, I guess, five or six days. I got a horrible case of bacterial pneumonia, almost died from it. And it, it did something to my lungs when I got it that is irreversible. Uh, I have no cilia in my lungs. That's the little bitty hairs that automatically, they brush things that you breathe in that are bad in your lungs and it gets rid of them. You cough and they're gone. I don't have that. So I'm susceptible to respiratory problems. Every couple of years, I come close. Sometimes I'll get a mild case of walking pneumonia. Thankfully, not anything serious in a long time. But Marianne got COVID-19. My big brother got COVID-19. His wife got it. Their son and daughter-in-law got it. A lot of people that we know got COVID-19. Our family, when Marianne got it, it was like, Dad, you're next. Get ready. You better start taking your preemptive medicine that you take to keep when you're going to fly commercially the day before you start taking this to get ready so you don't pick up a bacteria when you get on the plane. You're around a lot of people you have been, and of course, Mom, you're going to get it. I didn't get it. 
I didn't get it. I've never had the flu in my life. So what that tells me, and it tells my personal doctor, I have some type of herd immunity, natural immunity. But yet they still try to scare me. There are people that think I'm evil. They don't want to be around me. Because not only have I not been vaccinated, I don't wear a mask unless it's just to prevent somebody else from getting scared when they see me. I'm kind of big. Uh, I'm bald. I have a full beard and wear an earring. And I look like I'm a bad guy, a big tough guy. I'm not. I'm actually a big baby. Anybody that knows that about me. I'm a softy. But nevertheless, I don't want to scare people and I'll wear a mask. If I go someplace and it's customary and they want everybody that comes in to wear a mask, I'll put it on. But on the most part, I don't wear a mask. I believe the science. I've been instructed by Biden and Fauci to follow the science. Listen to the science. The CDC's own entities, research laboratories, controlled testing, tested 47 different locations, tested every face mask type that has been used and is being used to stop the transmission of COVID-19. Not a single one is effective. Sometimes you just got to push through it all, folks, and you got to find a way to do it. I'm going to, based on science, I'm not planning to be vaccinated. And for somebody to deprive me of their services, their goods and services, because I'm not vaccinated and they're a private entity, it's their choice. I get it. I don't have a problem with it. I just won't I won't deal with them, won't do business with them anymore. Lots of these big chains of um, restaurants, all the big chains, they're all going to, in mass numbers, unless somebody steps in about this, they're all going to require vaccinations for you to even do business with them. And that's okay. They can do that. They make the choices for themselves. That's what capitalism is all about. That's what's living in the nation, the freest nation on the earth. That's what it's all about, right? And I'm going to wait. I have a gut feeling, a very strong gut feeling, folks. I have a gut feeling that this is all going to go away. Unfortunately, it's not going to happen unless and until the United States Supreme Court weighs in on one or two or three of these mass mandates that the federal government under Joe Biden have been inflicting. A lot of big private corporations have been inflicting it upon people, threatening them with their jobs. And gladly, early this morning, the United States Supreme Court announced that they have accepted and they're going to have oral arguments after the first of the year on the mandates. Mandates for masks. Mandates for vaccinations. So there are two really, really big issues on the table in the Supreme Court. More than two, but two really big ones. They've already had the oral arguments about Mississippi's abortion law that is being tested because you can't give currently, you can't do an abortion anytime after, I think, 14 weeks. And of course, the hard left have just gone crazy about that. And now the Supreme Court is going to weigh in or hear oral arguments on the vaccine and mask mandates by our federal government. 
Oh my gosh. I don't know if we'll ever get to the bottom of all of this, but you know what we're going to do? We're going to live through every bit of it. I mean, we're going to live through every bit of it. We're going to be fine. We're going to make it. I mean, after all, we could be living in a world like Joe Manchin is today. Everybody knows who he is. He is the only, as far as I know, moderate Democrat in the United States system. Maybe Kirsten Sinema from Arizona. She may be a fellow moderate. But every other Democrat that I can think of is just hard left. And he stood up and he refused to compromise his morals, his convictions, and his business sense to support Joe Biden's Build Back Better bill, which is really and should be titled Build Back Stupid Bill because nothing in it makes any sense. The dollars and cents don't add up. And the content of the bill and the cost of the individual parts are far, far away from what they told us. And we heard for months, this is not going to cost anybody that makes under $400,000 a year. It's not going to cost you a nickel. And yet, (laughs) it comes out, the CBO grades the bill and takes out the fake parts of the bill. You know, oh, this program, we're going to put it in for one year and it's going to lapse. But we're doing a 10-year deal. We're going to include funding but we're only including the cost of doing it one year, and we're not going to renew it. Well, the CBO says Congress never ends a federal program. When they start it, it's in there, and it's going to be a perpetual. So they put in the funding that for all those pet little projects that they told us in the draft of the bill, they were going to end after a year, one over two or three of them was going to end after two or three years, but left them in permanently. It's going to cost $5 trillion dollars. There is no way they can tax people that make more than $400,000 a year. They can't make up $5 million. It's impossible. So they lied about it. Joe Manchin said, we're not going to do it. Inflation's going through the roof. Supply chain issues are bad. Energy costs are going through the roof. We're not going to do this. Well, House progressives, they went nuts when Joe Biden and Joe Manchin couldn't find common ground or couldn't find a way for Manchin to vote yes. House progressives are now calling on Biden to use executive orders to implement parts of that massive legislative agenda and the Build Back Better thing. Today, the elected leadership of the Congressional Progressive Caucus is calling on the president and all Democrats, if you believe in There's a need for Build Back Better, for climate, for care of immigrants and those seeing economic dignity and opportunity to come together and deliver for the American people. Oh, my heart just, it just leaped within me when I heard this great positive statement. What that means is a whole of government approach. Yeah, everybody's got to sign in. In Congress, We'll continue to prioritize a legislative path for Build Back Better. In the meantime, the White House must continue to act on a parallel track. How? Use the president's incredibly powerful tool of executive answer. Progressive Caucus Chairwoman, Representative Premia Jayapal, a Democrat from Washington, She said at the beginning of this week she hopes Biden's going to act alone to implement parts of this reconciliation bill. There's too much at stake. There is a very powerful tool in the president's ability to take executive action. 
Jen Psaki, she said on Monday, the White House hasn't had significant conversations yet on doing that regarding the bill, but did not take the option off the table. Quote, we have used executive authority and executive action for a range of steps to make a range of progress, and the president has not hesitated to do that. The benefit of legislation is obviously it makes it permanent, she said. So there's a lot of value in that. What everybody needs to realize is Joe Biden can't initiate and start unilaterally any federal money spending. That constitutionally has got to originate in the United States House of Representatives. Keep that in mind while we keep you posted on what is happening. We're watching all of the executive action that this president, every other president that we've been involved with, we watch it all, and we'll keep you posted on it. They're going to try to slip something through on us, and you can bet there is a bevy of conservatism in the United States House of Representatives and the Senate that are watching too. They're not going to let Joe get away by trying to implement this piecemeal through executive orders. Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a blind date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. ready for best life minus the burnout i'm zuri hall from nbc's access hollywood and my new podcast hot happy mess is all about the most important vip you join us each monday as we discuss relationships self-care career and much more our podcast is for mindful ambitious diverse millennial women who are ready for more happiness laughter peace and purpose now iHeartRadio is number one for podcasts and it's easy to see why listen to hot happy mess every week on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts Dunkin' is putting a whole new spin on pumpkin at Dunkin' with our new pumpkin cream cold brew. Smooth, bold, cold brew topped with velvety pumpkin cream cold foam made with cinnamon and nutmeg spices. And there's more pumpkin for you to love, like the delicious fall classic, our pumpkin spice signature latte. Rich espresso topped with whipped cream, caramel drizzle, and cinnamon sugar. That's how we pumpkin at Dunkin'. Sip into the fall season with the new pumpkin cream cold brew or pumpkin spice signature latte. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. Are you sure we should be out here? It's pretty cloudy. Come on, that'll pass. Really? I don't know. Yeah, That's just, just swing. I'm holding swing. a swing. <sighs> ah! Whoa. Looks like someone could have used Yahoo OneSearch on his mobile phone. Try Yahoo OneSearch and get news, sports, even weather. Get better results. Text weather and your zip code to 92466. Be a better golfer. Yahoo! Standard carrier text messaging rates apply. So before, we've got a couple of other things we want to address before we finish the show today. Before we do it, I told you we have something special for you tomorrow. It's going to be two hours of a Christmas radio show. We're going to feature songs. I mean, some really good Christmas songs. Not just the old standards, but some things that you haven't heard before from people that you haven't heard before. 
spent a lot of time going through and picking the good stuff. And I'm going to do what I did in my first life professionally. We're going to do a DJ thing. We'll have our phone lines open tomorrow if you want to call in and wish somebody a Merry Christmas or if you want to leave a message for somebody or you want to take me on about anything. We're not going to be aggressive tomorrow. We're not going to be mean. We're not going to concentrate on the bad things. It's Christmas Eve tomorrow, folks. We're going to have a good day. We're going to have a good time. So that starts at 9 tomorrow morning, two hours of it. And if there's something really big in news that we need to talk about, we'll do that. But we're not going to just hammer it tomorrow. We're going to back off a little bit with the intensity. Hopefully, we'll be able to do that because everything's going to be going pretty good around the nation this Christmas weekend. There's some folks that aren't going to have a really good, quiet, and peaceful weekend. Hillary Clinton's team, during her campaign for the 2016 election, they fought their campaign did to keep its ties to Christopher Steele's dossier from showing up in public. But guess what? Special counsel John Durham, he's now made it very clear, very public. He has a strong interest in her campaign's behavior during the Russia collusion probe. He's even suggesting he leaked it, that some of her aides are going to be summoned as trial witnesses. Durham's earth-shaking revelation came inside what was a, a routine court filing earlier this month in the case of Igor Danchenko, a Russian analyst who was a primary source for the Steele's now-famous dossier. Danchenko has been charged with repeatedly lying to the FBI during the Russia collusion probe, and he's pleaded innocent. Durham's motion that he filed asked the presiding judge to determine whether Danchenko's lawyers, I won't name who they are, whether the lawyers pose a conflict of interest because the firm also represents the Hillary for America campaign, as well as several former campaign officials in matters that, quote, are before the special counsel. The Clinton campaign financed the opposition research reports, colloquially, colloquially known as the dossier that are central to the indictment against the defendant. That's what the Durham team stated in that motion. Accordingly, for the reasons set forth below, the government respectfully requests that the court inquire into the potential conflict issues set forth herein. That's interesting. So, what's involved in it? Well, in all, the latest Durham court filing identifies five areas where the prosecutor's case may pose a conflict that include the Clinton campaign's knowledge or lack of knowledge concerning the veracity of information in the dossier created by Steele with help from Danchenko. Two, the Clinton campaign's awareness or lack of awareness of the defendant's collection methods and sub-sources. Three, meetings or communications between the Clinton campaign Fusion GPS, and Christopher Steele regarding or involving Danchenko. Four, the defendant's knowledge or lack of knowledge regarding the Clinton campaign's role in and activities surrounding the Steele dossier. And five, and the extent to which the Clinton campaign and or its representatives directed, solicited, or controlled Danchenko's activities. On each of these issues, the interest of the Clinton campaign 
and the defendant may diverge, the court filing explained. So what Durham is doing basically is what every good prosecutor does when they're on a big case, a big deal. And everybody involved in the investigation, on the investigated side, they all clam up. Nobody wants to talk. There are a lot of moving parts, a lot of different people in the equation. But if they're caught and if they're busted for doing criminal acts, it's going to be tough. They're going to spend hard time in federal prison. So what does a good special prosecutor, what do they do? They give anybody who is first to come forward and spill the beans. They float it out there. Hey, give us a fax. We'll cut you a deal. But we're telling you today, only the first one that comes forward is going to get a chance out of this, going to get a chit to get out of the game. And so what did they do? Part of this filing is they put stuff in this filing that they really probably shouldn't have. But they wanted to put everybody on point, everybody involved in it, to tell them, we're coming after somebody, and somebody's going to go to jail. Is it going to be you? Well, you got to open your mouth and speak to us to get out of jail. That's a wrap on the show today. Again, we're looking forward to tomorrow. We're going to have some good Christmas time, aren't we? Let's kick it off on Christmas Eve Eve. Have a great day, folks. I can't wait for Christmas. We're going to share it together for just a couple hours tomorrow here at TNN Live. See you then. Oh, there's no place like home for the holidays. For no matter how far away you when you long for the sunshine of a friendly gaze For the holidays you can't beat home, sweetheart I met a man who lives in Tennessee And he was heading for Pennsylvania And some homemade pumpkin pie From Pennsylvania folks are traveling down Dixie Sunny Shore From Atlantic to Pacific Gee, the traffic is terrific Oh, there's no place like home for the holidays Cause no matter how far away you roam If you want to be happy in a million ways For the holidays you can be home I met a man who lives in Tennessee And he was heading for Pennsylvania And some homemade pumpkin pie From Pennsylvania folks are traveling down To Dixie's sunny shore From Atlantic to Pacific Gee, the traffic is terrific Oh, there's no place like home for the holidays Cause no matter how far away you roam If you want to be happy